Welcome to the Mojo Mecca. We are a media, wellness and artistry hub that is in celebration of the earth, inspired to live in a mindful, healthful way, humbled by the depths of inner exploration and the power of practicing daily rituals, in love with the beauty of cultures worldwide and the adventurous nature of travel, and dedicated to a life of heart-centeredness, purposeful pursuits, and a whole lot of mojo. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm sorry for not being as frequent with releasing the podcast. I've started Um, new work. I'm like knuckling down and saving a bunch of cash now on an island off um, Western Australia. So yeah, my energy has been mostly there, but I'm really excited to share this conversation with you today. So in this conversation, I'm chatting all things evolutionary astrology with Daisy, beautiful, beautiful sister um, of Flowers for Days Astrology. So we dive into a lot of different things. Um, We start by covering her journey into astrology and then she explains what astrology actually is and her personal unique approach to it, Um, how she navigates the sessions that she holds online and in person for people. And then we could dive really deep into the energies of the different planets, the nodes and the asteroids encompassing um, the astrological chart, which I find really interesting because I'm just very green to all things astrology and just really soaked up um, all of that information. And she shares it so beautifully. Um, Yeah, we also dive into like how those energies show up within us um, and also within the collective world and, and the time that we're in. Yeah, and there's so much more that we dive into, but um, I'll let you experience it for yourself. Enjoy. So I was born in Australia, in Western Australia, um, the same place as you in Perth. (laughs) Um, And ever since I was born, I really felt like I did not belong where I was. Like, I really felt like my heart was just like, I have to get out of here. And I really struggled growing up. Like, you know, I I really never felt like I fit in and I always felt really like quite, I got bullied really badly. And it was, it's one of my deepest woundings in this lifetime is to feel like I don't belong really. I get very vulnerable. It's like one of my biggest, like no matter where I am on some level, it's that feeling of like really learning to honor being a black sheep in some ways. And just like finding that as like a liberating thing. (laughs) So yeah, that was sort of my experience growing up. And I really, um, you know, my, mom was amazing to me but I did definitely grow up in an environment that didn't really um not her fault at all but it didn't really honor my truth and when I got a bit older around like 16 or 15 I started getting a bit into modeling and I developed a really bad eating disorder um and it became like quite life-threatening I had really bad anorexia and Oh, I'm getting very many goosebumps. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I had the exact yeah. same at the exact same time, like 15, 16. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've ever talked about that before. Yeah. It's really um <laughs> Yeah, and I, I feel like it's definitely an an age where 
so much is happening and it was definitely like a cry for attention in some ways and a cry for like I want people to feel like I want to know that people care about you know but it was I mean there's oh wow, eating disorders are so complex on so many levels but that basically happened and then I left school and immediately I got out of Perth I went to Sydney for a little bit um, and I just remember one day I was in my room and I was so sick and I you know I my mom was really so much on my back because she was so worried about my health like I was really on the verge of you know she was scared I was gonna have a heart attack in my sleep and I just remember one day being in my room lying in the dark and I was just like okay I either have to choose to live or like die and it was just in this moment where I was like okay and I just started feeling really of course this is my moment where I mean I always was cold my mom practiced meditation and she was always sort of dabbling in this world but that's that moment where I really started calling for things to help me find a reason to want to be alive and to love life and to get out of bed in the morning. And I remember my therapist at the time, she told me that one of the ways, well, the only way, one of the best ways to cure an eating disorder is to find something that is more important to you, that is bigger than you. And so that was sort of my goal. And one of my best friends in Bali, who grew up in Bali, I spent a lot of my childhood in between Bali and Australia. Um, she, she was really into astrology and esoteric things and I remember I used to think like what is that bullshit you know because you read the horoscopes and you're like that is bullshit and I was already getting into my meditation and everything but I was like no not astrology no way and <laughs> and I remember that she had this book her name's Maya um and I started reading into it and I was like, holy shit, this is so accurate. Like this is so spot on and this is like too good to be true. And then I started reading more and I just started doing lots of self-study and I started doing like little, you know, I'd like pull up my friend's charts at home and I'd like, we'd like, you know, look at the explanations for it together and then they'd go, oh my God, this is so true. And I just started becoming quite fascinated by it all and how it worked. Um, and yeah, that was actually even before I moved to Sydney because I started studying astrology about like six, I mean, my passion would have been developed about seven years ago. Um, but I started like going to a school about four years ago for it. And I did like a three year sort of like diploma for astrology at Sydney astrology school. And part of that was done online and part of it was in person. Um, and the second thing, major thing that happened for me was, um, I, you know, I, I broke up with my first big relationship and wow. Like if you look at my chart, you'll understand, but that was like, that was like a death for me. It was, I like completely died. And then I started integrating with the community in Ubud in Bali. And it was like, I was completely reborn into like, and I, that's when I decided to completely finish my degree. I didn't, sorry, I didn't finish it. I suspended, like I stopped my degree and I just completely dived full headfirst into my astrology and committed to like a spiritual path and committed to, um, yeah, just like growing in this realm. So that's how it all um, happened. And I just remember when I started like properly going to school for astrology, I just remember that I had felt like I had found the biggest love of my life and it wasn't another human being. And it was like the best feeling in the world to 
to feel so much deep love for something that that you know isn't a human if you know what I mean <laughs> yeah so um yeah and then I and then I, I just I, I was I studied for quite a while because I'm a Virgo and I was like you know I, I want to I've had many experiences with um, certain workshops or teachers where I've walked away and I'm like, I don't feel like I got that much out of it. And so that's why I decided that I just wanted to study really hard and, and put more as much effort as I could into it before I started offering it um, on a, um, you know, like as like a business. Mm -hmm. um, so I only started offering last year and my readings um, cause I really wanted people to be able to walk away with like life changing elements and practical things as well that they can take home with them, that they can really integrate into their lives. And really like one of my biggest things is helping people to truly believe in themselves on the deepest level, because astrology really helps you to, um, recognize that those little pings you've been getting or that thing that's been happening in the back of your mind is there for a reason. You know, it's not just like chilling. It's actually like the universe saying, hey, come on, this is me telling you that we need to explore this. So then when I have readings with people and I tell them, they're like, whoa, I've been, you know, pondering about that for years. And I'm like, yeah, you need to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so cool. I didn't realize they actually had, so you studied for like years in like a, in yeah. Sydney, they have like a, an actual like college institute for it. Yes. My teacher is so beautiful. His name's Mark Lawrenson and his Sydney astrology school. I love him so much. And um, yeah. And then I, I, in addition to that, my other favorite astrologer, um, he's called Stephen Forrest. He's just turned 70 and he's like a wizard. Mm -hmm. Like he's so beautiful. And he has like a four year wait list for readings like I just got on it <laughs> and he's just incredible he's someone who everything that leaves his mouth is quality um so I highly recommend he has lots of online mp3s and I highly recommend like any of them are going to benefit you even if you're not interested in astrology he just has really potent amazing things to share um and I'm also right now at another um, astrolo evolutionary astrology school because for me, it's something I'm going to study for the rest of my life. So it's like as soon as I finish one, I'm going to invest in another because this is a study that is so big. It, you know, it's literally the study of life through the stars um, and the psychology of energy, you know. So it's something that is ongoing and an astrologer can study their chart for their whole lifetime and continue to find out more. It's just like never ending. <laughs> yeah. So there are like various different like branches of astrology. And the mm -hmm. one that you um, have been like studying is what is it evolutionary astrology? Yeah. 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 And so that's like, is that under like, is it called like Western astrology? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then what are the other branches that there's like Mayan, obviously, and... Yeah, so, well, a bit of history, actually, is astrology is like the oldest science in the world. And of course, once patriarchal rule came in, they didn't deem it a science anymore. However, like all of the most ancient civilizations around the world, the Mayans, Aztecs, um, 
the Indians, the Egyptians, the Romans, like all of the ancient cultures around the world used astrology, but none of them, of course, because they couldn't communicate with each other back in like 4,000 BC, they, they didn't know that each other was using it, you know? So it's like all human beings in these ancient times were being called towards using the stars as a form of understanding themselves and each other in the events. And um, I mean, traditional astrology back in those days was very much more based on forecasting which we don't do as much in evolutionary astrology. But yeah, there's like Jayotish and Vedic astrology, which is Indian. And then there's like Mayan astrology. There's also Chinese astrology. Um, so there's lots of different branches. And I just think it's so cool how, um, how like, yeah, they were all using it. <laughs> so amazing. And then how quickly it's been like, suppressed and it's been rejected and seen as woo-woo as well it's just crazy when it's been such a something that we've used for so many like hundreds of thousands of years yeah <laughs> and do you think because obviously now we're seeing like a resurgence obviously of all of these kind of ancient technologies and ways of seeing life and it is almost like that full circle kind of um yeah. Yeah, coming back and integrating um and it's like obviously tied into like the age of aquarius and like that that we've stepped into and like how do you see that as kind of i don't know how do you like perceive that through like the evolutionary astrology like in the time that we're in collectively you know because like people who you never thought would be into like spiritual woo woo stuff like are you know and mm. they're just like learning about it and open to it like in their own way obviously but it's just like permeating so much more of like mainstream mm -hmm. culture like you just see i see it more and more like even though there is still like a lot of like messed up stuff like on the news and, and everything but there's mm -hmm. just like even just little like tidbits of like you know new um perspectives and even just like yeah like just unity more unity is like definitely coming through yeah how so, how how do you see that like through your studies and like perception yeah yeah it's really beautiful that you mentioned this um and it's really interesting because depending on what type of astrology you study and then within that type of astrology there's many different types of like um you know you can follow like different sort of zodiacs like the tropical the sidereal the constellation which is basically like putting the chart out in a different way so don't worry if you don't understand what I'm saying but but from what I'm trying to say from that is that if you are following tropi the tropical zodiac which a lot of western astrologers do the age of Aquarius hasn't actually officially begun and it's really interesting because a lot of people are like the age of Aquarius um but I, I still believe that because it's like such a long period of time i mean in the tropical zodiac they don't officially start the age of aquarius until 2378 that yeah. year um so they still think that we're finishing the age of pisces but even though because we're going to stay in that place for such a long period of time the transitioning energy is still very potent and i do really believe that um it's definitely got a lot to do with people beginning to wake up and revolutionizing and um yeah like stepping into the future and seeing that there's like a new way to do things um yeah and it's often like the old way you know like it's often yeah. the way that we have um seen things before and it's more like just remembering more of that 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I guess I was also, well, like, I obviously am very like green to all of this stuff. It's more just like little tidbits I've like learned. There was also like, I, I think just kind of at the end of like the Mayan calendar, like, as in like I don't know that's the one that I've mostly like looked into but mm. um where it was like deemed to be like the end of the world or whatever in 2012 and then there was like mm. I don't know I felt for for me in my own life I was yeah. only like 18 17 18 I wasn't yeah. even tapped into any spiritual stuff but like there was a definite like I remember after then um just like yeah without even being conscious of it now just realizing like years down the track like that's where I first began like yeah just starting to read more into like zen buddhism and like yeah like and becoming like vegan and you know like I just kind of started all of that just naturally um after, after the end of 2012 um yeah it's so true I totally agree with you I think I was the same I was a bit I was a bit younger than you then, but I remember I was so scared. I remember I met my cousin's friend and he was like a huge believer in all of this. And he was basically just saying that like people are going to die. But of course, like the way he was describing it, I didn't understand. I was taking it very literally. Mm-hmm. So I was so scared. <laughs> I remember I was in Bali and I thought I was like, oh my gosh, the world is going to end. And I was just like, and then, but it's true. Like after that, I just started diving into it all. Yeah, there was definitely a major energetic shift. How do you kind of perceive, I guess, like, well, for people out there, I guess, like, astrology, especially in, like, social media and stuff, is becoming more kind of, uh, I don't know, trendy or, like, everyone's kind of, like, sharing more about it, even if they don't completely understand it, you know, just share and, like, all the memes and, like, everything. And, mm. um, and do you think it can be, like, I don't know, I guess there is a lot of people out there more like sharing astrological stuff too. Is it, is it like from your perspective, like more confusing for people or like conflicting ideas being shared? And I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think you get, do you get what I I totally feel what you're trying to say. I think it's amazing. Like, I think it's really cool how this whole revival is happening. And like, um, with you saying that, I think it'd be nice if we maybe dive a bit into like, you know, the, the lunar phases and the new moon and the full moon and what they mean. And but yeah, in terms of like the confusion thing, um, look, one of my favorite astrologers, Stephen Forrest, he taught, he teaches his students, like you're doing astrology, not to impress others, other astrologers, but to help the people around you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my Virgo, sometimes I'll see people, they're posting things that are like so off. Like, you know, that like what they're saying is beautiful, but you know, someone will be talking about Mercury retrograde like two weeks before it's even happening. And I'm like, and you know, they'll be like, oh, everyone's so upset right now because, you know, Mercury retrograde is happening. And I'm like, it's not even happening yet. <laughs> but you know, the thing is like, that's just me being like an astrologer, you know, trying to be a correct astrologer. And the point is that like, if we can also just be helping to awaken people and then create more sensitivity to the stars it's also a good thing so I'm I'm happy I'm so happy it's being shared more I think it's so cool and I'm also really happy that it's still like a bit of a niche it's like a really beautiful time for astrology I think Mm. yeah yeah (laughs) with like technology now too like what you do through your sessions you know you can just reach 
people wherever they are in the world and if they feel like you know because it's also I think it's a connection to you as an individual mm. like and and how yeah. you specifically bring through those teachings and how you like interpret mm. them and then just your own like you know psychic and intuitive abilities to kind of like tap into someone mm. um and um hopefully bring through things that might help them and like assist them on their journey and i think that's definitely yeah such a blessing too that you know you can share of yourself like through these social media realms and then if people like have a have a resonance you know they can have a an experience with you and like hopefully have some more clarity and yeah through your yeah just with the like astrological teachings like infused through it but it's also obviously just like you and your energy and beingness that people are attracted to yeah it's it's really well I mean I hope so I have this thing with Instagram at the moment where I'm a bit like not so happy with it because I'm finding that there's a lot more engagement see I really enjoy putting up photographs of things that are like really cool collages or whatever and I'm finding that like with Instagram you get a lot more engagement when you put up pictures of yourself and this Mm -hmm. like this upsets me in some way because I'm like wow like why you know why is a human being more important than like anything else you want to like a beautiful picture of nature or something (laughs) but but it's true like I was speaking to my friend the other day and they were saying at the end of the day when people are buying your service or product they are buying also into like your energy and you know a part of you and that's what you are sharing with them so I do understand that and yeah (laughs) what do you think (laughs) yeah I know I I completely agree and I yeah I feel like I've been in a weird dance with social media like for a while yeah. now and I and I definitely feel more inspired um to share like through my Mojo Mecca account and like yeah more just like teachings that I'm like or quotes or like an artwork and stuff like that that I'm inspired by and making it be more mm. of a creative space and like an inspiration yeah. space than than just like photos of me you know but I have like two separate accounts so I just mostly post on Mojo Mecca and like very rarely will just like throw something up on my personal one but um for me it's nice because I get to kind of just mainly focus on like Mojo Mecca inspiration Mm. media hub (laughs) rather than like me but obviously it is like you know I'm the creator of that and like people are like attracted to that energy that's like you know curating it all so it's always about the dance and yeah it's very easy to get like swept up in it but I agree with you like I think it's really like it should not be all about you anyways like I think that's I don't know like I don't really love to just keep seeing you know people's faces and stuff I want to like see like a whole totality of things that people are into um yeah yeah anyways I know it's just interesting I think generally like I think there's just so many new algorithms and all of this stuff like they basically just want you to pay for posts to even get them seen these days. It's harder and harder to get like anything out there, I guess because so many people are now like using these platforms and it's just very saturated Mm. Like even within the kind of, I guess like spiritual sphere, you know, or that sort of thing. It's Mm. just, um, that doesn't mean to say like, obviously like you are you and like people, I just believe in that, that sort of like, um 
I guess like web interconnected web mm. that like people will discover you if they need to. And like, there is that resonance there and you know, that just goes beyond any algorithm that can be created. Like there is just that, that's always going mm. to be there that like naturally attracts people. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just an interesting game, I guess, like just to see it more as a game and like not take it too yeah. personally, just be like, okay, this yeah, is like, one little medium like one little kind of game that I you know <laughs> put some energy yeah. into, but I'm not gonna like make it my whole thing yeah. <laughs> it's not the real yeah. deal it's not the whole thing <laughs> yeah totally I love that and I love everything you share it's really inspiring it's so beautiful so yeah thank you <laughs> thank you yeah I know and we connected through Instagram oh well yeah we met up in Bali but yeah we were following each other on Instagram so it's like it's just so beautiful I've met some really amazing people that I resonate with yeah. through I agree. that platform yeah. Yeah. maybe just for people who yeah are very like fresh as I am to yeah. astrology and um what they do like mean from your perspective maybe just kind of rehash those um sun moon rising um yeah. yeah the kind of key um aspects of people's charts or anything else you feel to share that like could help yeah. people understand just generally like what what their charts are meaning like what different parts of the charts mean yeah and i can start if you'd like by saying as well like what astrology is you know yeah. and how it quote unquote works <laughs> yeah. like um astrology is well it's the study of the stars as we know but we're really studying the interaction of the celestial bodies um and how they affect our lives here on earth and the important thing to remember is that um we down here in the microcosm are a reflection of the macrocosm you know everything is interconnected so rather than saying um you know blaming something for happening on the stars it's more like we are reflecting down here the movement of what is happening above us um, because we are vibrationally interwoven with the movement of the planets and at the exact time of your birth depending on the placement of the planets this is like your cosmic dna and throughout the rest of your life, the movement of the planets are then going to affect you on a personal level in a very unique way. Everyone's birth chart is unique to them. It's like a fingerprint. It's their blueprint. Um, yeah, and because we are vibrational beings, we are like musical instruments dancing with the cosmos. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah, so this is how, because we are an extension of the universal energy ourselves, we're innately connected to the vibration of the planets. Um, yeah, so that's how like the vibrations play into our lives, aligning with different parts of who, who we are emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. <laughs> it's very beautiful. Um, and yeah, then the birth chart um, shows us some insight into um, your soul's purpose. All the planets in the chart, the aspects in the chart are showing us the intentions that your soul made before incarnating into this reality um, of what it needs to learn to grow in this lifetime. And from an evolutionary perspective, um, the way evolutionary astrology is a bit different to other types of astrology or just traditional Western astrology is that we believe in reincarnation 
And we believe that every human being comes in with, you know, some sort of baggage. No one has a clean slate, whether it is through previous lifetimes or it's your family bloodline, it's your family's patterning that you come in with. Um, and yeah, so we're really looking at the karma and we're looking at how your soul is wanting to evolve through the chart. So that is seen, of course, through the nodes. The south node shows us where you have come from. Um, the in the sense that it shows us some shadow patterns that you're very used to playing out and it's very ingrained into your being. And you might've brought that through with you through multiple lifetimes. And the North node in the chart is showing us where your soul wants to move towards for the liberate, for, to liberate itself from its karma. And the really beautiful thing as well in evolutionary astrology is that we see karma as it's not like you've done something bad, so something bad's going to happen to you. It's more like this is, you know, these are the certain um, experiences, situation, people you're going to magnetize towards you in this lifetime because your soul needs to learn certain lessons, you know, for its growth. And that is the karma. It's like what, you know, and it still is where you've been investing your energy is what is going to come back to you. But it's really like you're magnetizing in the lessons that you need to learn in this lifetime. So, yeah, it's really beautiful to help bring awareness for people to these patterns. And the really cool thing with astrology as well is like during a reading, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know already about yourself. But it's it's um, wisdom that you've forgotten or it's been suppressed or, um, you know, you need to be reminded of it. <laughs> And um, yeah, so in evolutionary astrology, we're able to play the role of an angel by taking that objective perspective on the birth chart and on the human being and seeing where they've come from and where, how they're moving and where they need to go to. Um, and the other really cool thing with evolutionary astrology is that we don't see anything as bad or malefic. So in a lot of the traditional um, forms of astrology, they'd see certain things as really bad. Um, you know, and it would be quite like definitive, like, okay, this is happening. So, you know, and the forecasting will be like, so this is going to happen. And rather in evolutionary, I'll give you an example, but in evolutionary astrology, we see everything as an opportunity for growth. So nothing is bad. Like I'll never tell anyone in a reading that, you know, necessarily something's bad is going to happen to them, but I'll, I'll talk to them about an energy that's playing out and how they can dance with that energy and its highest potential or how it might manifest in its lowest potential um an example would be say uranus is transiting um and it just enters your seventh house in traditional astrology they may say oh you're getting a divorce whereas in evolutionary astrology i'm going to tell my client this is a period of time where you really need to allow a lot of freedom to move for yourself and your partner in relationship um you know so there's just like that difference there <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so important because we do always have the choice no matter what is like yeah, yeah playing out it's like you we do still have that free will to our detriment totally. sometimes but <laughs> totally yeah. and I love that you've said that it's totally what we're allowing people to do we're giving them free will because we're giving them that perspective and that choice and rather than like telling you know being quite um you know, with the forecasting, telling people something that's going to happen, which can be planting seeds and setting things up to happen that, you know, because I very much believe that it's, you know, you can plant certain seeds in someone and then that is going to like define 
the reality because then they're like sort of manifesting that, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's more energy like going towards yeah. that because it's in their mind yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you like me to quickly take you through um, like the planets in the chart? Yeah. Yeah, go for yeah. it. Cool. So after the South Node, like I was saying before, I'll always move to the moon because the moon is still um, connected to the past life in the sense that it's an archetype that you've really mastered in your past life. Um, so it's an energy that you're very familiar with and comfortable in. And the shadow side of that is that you become overly attached to this place because the moon, you know, is also the past. It's related to your childhood, to your early family experiences, and also to the experience you had with your parents and how you received nurturing, how you were nurtured, um, as a child. So then that can also tell us how you've internalized that relationship with yourself. Like, how do you look after yourself? And, you know, what it could potentially be like the shadow side of that. Mm. Um, For example, an Aries moon, someone with an Aries moon could have had a childhood where one of their parental figures was really independent and, and allowed them a lot of independence, but it was actually neglecting their emotional needs because the parent didn't want any responsibility. So it was like, have as much independence as you want. So then, and you know, the Aries child was taught to be strong and to be courageous. So then they grow up um, not necessarily learning how to be vulnerable because they feel like I have to look after myself. I have to be strong. I have to be courageous. And then they may find more difficulty tapping into um, being vulnerable and being intimate. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it's really interesting. Um, and then we move on to the sun. This is sort of like how I structure my readings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Moving on to the sun, um, I'll always dive into the sun is really beautiful. I don't want to say it's the most important part of the chart, but it is really important that your sun is being fueled so that you can be feeling really vital and energized. And the sun is where you shine. The sun is really where you shine in your life and where you really need to give yourself permission to step into that way of being you know Mm -hmm. so for example the sun in aquarius is you know you need to give yourself permission to be fucking weird (laughs) be quirky be different give yourself permission to be a black sheep give yourself permission to experiment you know you're probably a little bit unreliable you're probably a little bit all over the place but that's okay like you're here to be experimenting with many different things Mm -hmm. and you know you're not necessarily going to be the most attached person you're going to be dealing with situations from a more detached perspective. Now, in saying this, I just want to say that it depends on the rest of your birth chart because not everybody will align with their sun sign. You know, about 10% of people around that are probably going to feel quite like they don't resonate with their sun sign. And that's because, say you're an Aquarius, which is supposedly the most detached sign, you could have all the other aspects in your chart and planets in water element which makes you highly sensitive and emotional. And so then the Aquarius sun is going, I don't feel like an Aquarius, (laughs) you know? So it's important to take everything else in the chart into account. Um, So moving on from the sun, we move to the ascendant. And this is the primal triad. It's like the three most important parts to the like fundamental identity. And the ascendant through an evolutionary perspective 
perspective, sorry, is where you are rising towards in this lifetime. So it's where you're moving towards it. You want to be playing out the highest energies of that archetype. It's what you are learning to do in this lifetime. Um, so with the ascendant in Sagittarius, you are learning to be a vision quester. You are learning to find the greatest truth, the ultimate truth, and to travel the world and learn through experience to get there. And you are learning to be, you know, moving around a bit, a bit of a nomad, um, this like eternal teacher student vibe. And yeah, so that's the ascendant. And the ascendant can also tell us a little bit about as well, um, even your physical appearance and how you also will meet situations head on. It's sort of like the facade that the world sees before they get to know you on a deeper level. <clears throat> Interesting, because yeah. I always thought, or maybe I just read it once, like I thought that mm. like the moon was more like how you're perceived. But no, that's interesting mm. that it's more like the rising. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the rising, definitely. The moon is like, I mean, the moon is, it's like, if you think about it, the moon comes out at night. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's like our, the darkest part of us. It's our subconscious. It's our deepest internal you know, needs. It's like the depth of us really. Mm, so yeah. interesting. And I've got, I've got, I'm like Taurus sun and then Taurus ascendant. So, and that's interesting because then your sun is going to be what, like basically really close to your ascendant in the first or the 12th house. And it's okay if you don't remember. I don't remember right now. <laughs> I think so, I need to book in for a session with you, like after this. <laughs> And like, I've only had my chart read once and that was like in Peru a couple of years ago and I need to like, oh. I don't remember it. I don't think I saved it or something. Or I don't know where it is. Yeah, so we should do a also, session. Yeah. And it also might have been a different um, type of astrology as well. Probably, yeah. It's always, it's always interesting because, you know, astrologers do have their own unique way of interpreting um interpretation and of course it depends on the type of astrology so you might have been reading about like a completely different type of astrology that was saying that the moon is more you know the one that people i mean maybe on a subconscious level the moon is the one thing that people can maybe feel into i'd say mm. um and the south node of the moon also is an energy that people can bring in quite strongly with them as well and I find it's very much also can be a shadow energy. Like it's something that you can really project onto other people. The South node mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Actually, I've really had that in my personal experience. My South node is in Aries and um, you know, it's not that I don't love Aries. Aries are amazing and they're great, but I've always had a bit of friction with the archetype of Aries. And it's really interesting because it's like, that's my South node. So it's like, you know, what aspects of that am I not integrating in myself? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. yeah yeah and then um the planet mercury so those are the two luminaries the sun and the moon the ascendant isn't a planet it's a point in the sky when the sun is rising in the eastern horizon um in the east mm -hmm. so then we go to mercury which is oh i don't know if i said this before but did i say how um in astrology we're geocentric no. I, I think so in astrology we see everything from the earth's perspective so it's like a geocentric study and um that's why when this whole thing came out astronomers came out saying there is a 13th sign there's actually not a 13th sign it's because because we don't actually work with um how do i explain this we don't actually work with like 
say the exact placement of the constellations right now and what's happening. We're more working with it from like, yeah, the earth's perspective, not from like the cosmos's perspective, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so there is no 13th sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to debunk that myth. Um, so moving on, Mercury is basically, he is our intellect. He's very fast. He's very quick. He rules the signs Virgo and Gemini. And yeah, he's basically our intellect. He's how we communicate with the world, how we transmit and receive information. It's our best style of learning. Um, you know, it can really help you to see like, Astrology is a really beautiful tool. I think the most important actually for children and newborn babies, because if you can give a parent a, a reading for their child, you can basically telling them like, you know, sort of like a really nice way that you can foster and help them to grow into the best versions of themselves. Cause you're telling them what the intentions their soul has made before coming here. Mm -hmm. so like yeah an example of that would be like with mercury you can feel into what is their best way of learning so like if the mercury is in a water sign it's very emotional like you really process things on an emotional level you feel into things and you know then this child probably learns really well through like creative ways of teaching and you know probably in like a smaller classroom and they're feeling more safe and secure and nurtured and being able to receive information <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah and then we move on to so that's the outer planets of so mercury venus and mars so venus she is she is a feminine energy you know so i do really like to look at her as part of your divine feminine energy along with the moon um and she also really tells us about like um how we seek safety and security in the world and we're going to find this on different levels so we find this through relationship um, we find this in the material plane. So like what beauty is to you. Um, and also on internally, it's like our self-worth and our values. Mm. So that's Venus. And then Mars, he's like the masculine energy along with the sun. So Mars is masculine and he is also like, he tells us about our motivation, our motivation and our driving force and how we defend ourselves and how we are in arguments. And, you know, he is traditionally the planet associated with war. He rules Aries. So it's very much that spark, that driving spark within us and wherever he is in your chart, it's probably an area where you feel quite motivated towards. Yeah. yeah and how you protect yourself, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And then moving on to the social planets, we have, um, we have Jupiter and Saturn and Jupiter is awesome. I mean, <laughs> every planet has its shadow, but Jupiter is cool because it's like the planet of expansion. So wherever, wherever he is in your chart, traditionally, they'd say that that's like where you're quite lucky, but it can also be where you're overly ambitious, overly dogmatic, where you maybe have like too much confidence or, you know, but generally speaking, like Jupiter is where you feel like you land quite neatly on your feet. You know, it's like an area that may come quite easily to you. And um, this year, Jupiter is moving through Sagittarius, the sign that it rules, um, which I'm like super happy about because it's just like bringing like the like a double amount of expansion to wherever it's hitting in your chart, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I love including this for people in readings at the moment because it's a really beautiful place where you're being called to fully like step up and expand into this like area of your life. 
Sorry, there's ducks outside my house. <laughs> I know. I love the Bali sounds. <laughs> can you hear them? Okay, you can hear them. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. Yeah, and then we have Saturn. And Saturn, he is like the karmic taskmaster. So Saturn comes in to teach us. Oh gosh, <laughs> Saturn comes in to teach us where... Um, you know, where we need to be responsible and accountable in our lives. It can also be where we take ourselves quite seriously or where we take an area of our lives quite seriously. Um, Saturn return is a huge one. Um, you know, it happens around the age of 28 to 30. It happens every 29 years. So it's exact around your 29th birthday. Um, and then the next one is like, like 57. And then it's like um, 86, I think. And so the first Saturn return is the biggest one because this one is fully like when you are being initiated into like adulthood. Mm -hmm. So this is the time when Saturn comes around to say, you know, where have you been investing your energy? Cause now you're going to reap the, the consequences or the rewards. <laughs> mm -hmm. And this is a time when people will, you know, suddenly get pregnant or they suddenly leave a relationship or they suddenly get married or, you know, maybe they lose their money or they, it can also be great. Like you quit your job and you start a new career or, you know, all this money comes into you, but it's like, that next level of responsibility and how are you going to handle it, you know, and how are you going to be accountable for your own reality? And Saturn really teaches us to be the masters of our own reality. Cause you know, once you have that awareness, you start realizing, I'm sure it's happened for you many times that, you know, when you're like reading a very like eye opening book and you're like, shit, I'm literally creating my reality and that's Saturn you know it's like you have to take full responsibility for everything that's happening <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah oh my gosh <laughs> and then so then we have Chiron and Chiron is a um planetoid so it's a mix between a planet and an asteroid and Chiron is really beautiful. It's the wounded healer. So it is a wound that we bring in with us in this lifetime. Um, and the way we heal that wound is by helping others to heal a similar wounding. So this can show me whenever I'm doing a reading, this really shows me a chakra that people are usually quite blocked in and need to work on. And it can also even indicate certain like physical issues and like health problems because Chiron is also connected to health. Um, but it also shows me like where you are a healer, like what area in your life you're a healer in and where you have gifts to be that type of healer, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have any questions so far? <laughs> Just taking it in. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There's so much to it. And so yeah. do you have more to share? More? Yeah, I can, I'll go through the three other main planets um, yeah. and then, yeah. Is that cool with you? Yeah, of course. Cool. Yeah, and then that's sort of like the basic planets for you. Mm -hmm. um, so we just move on to the outer planets now, which are generational planets in the sense that they are so slow moving because they're so far away from the Earth and the sun. that They move so slowly that, um, that basically like they – you know, they'll, they might barely move in your chart, you know, like I think Pluto takes like 248 years to return to the place of your birth, where mm -hmm. it was at the time of your birth. So you'll never experience a Pluto return in your lifetime or a Neptune return, but you will experience a Uranus return in your lifetime at the 84 years of age. 
um, which traditionally this was considered to be the normal human lifespan. But of course, because, you know, there's like the healthcare system, you know, like it's changing so much these days, astrology has to change with it. So we are, you know, um, astrologers are really like changing the way they interpret things now as well. But I'll start off by talking about um, Uranus. Uranus is a revolutionary. He's like a tidal shockwave planet. He just comes in to like completely shake things up um, unexpectedly. So it can be good or bad, you know, because it's stuff that we're usually not expecting to happen. And Uranus has just moved into um, Taurus this in March, I think was in early March, and he'll be there for about the next six and a half years. Um, so now that he's just moved into Taurus, this is really going to be shaking things up around what is our relationship to money as a society? You know, it's going to be changing the whole exchange of money and, um, the value of money and how we perceive what money is. And maybe we'll find different ways to start exchanging. And then it's also going to be really bringing us back to Gaia because Taurus fixed earth is going to really be like there's going to be, you know, natural disasters, probably Uranus and Taurus shaking up the earth, but it's mother earth speaking to us, telling us what she needs. And Uranus moving into Taurus also creates a lot of, um, cause Taurus rules the central plane, a lot of like electricity around our senses and like us really using our central plane in a new and revolutionary way. So you can see maybe new products and technology coming out that, um, works with our senses in a new way um and also like a whole change to the food and agriculture industry so it's really like the whole material realm is being shaken up a lot right now with that over the next like six and a half years wow. yeah yeah mm. and then um neptune wow neptune she is just like I mean, Neptune is like the ether. It's like you can't even put words into what Neptune truly is. She's so confusing because that identity, like your mind cannot attach to her. If you know what I mean? Like she is spirit. She is everything and nothing. Um, and when you put her into a human body, it's got, she's got a lot to do with illusion, addiction, and escapism. Mm -hmm. Because um, Neptune rules Pisces. So it's like, Sometimes, um, for example, like a Pisces will find this reality too dense to be in and they turn to like trying to escape it through addiction um, or illusion. So Neptune can be connected to like fantasy, to the dream world, and also even to like Hollywood, like that illusion of like fame. Mm -hmm. um, and also highly like connected to artistic expression, creative expression, um, channeling the divine, channeling the unseen, unheard, unfelt, and bringing it and manifesting it into this reality. Um, and then we have Pluto. Pluto, he is like, wow. Like, he is just, I love him. He has been taking me for a ride these past few years. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, he is like the planet of death, rebirth, and transformation. So he really symbolizes the phoenix rising from the ashes and he when he hits a certain like by transit when he hits a certain point in your chart and when i say by transit it means um where he is currently in the cosmos and how that is affecting your natal chart yeah. he's going to really teach you about power to the point that he's going to take all your power away in this situation 
so that you can learn how to empower yourself and not place your power and give your power away to others and place your power on others. Um, so Neptune has a lot to do with death. I've ha been having him um, opposing my Venus and Mars and Cancer in the eighth house over these past few years. And I've gone through like, the breakup was just like, wow, <laughs> you know, it's like that next level of dying and being reborn again. And, and it's interesting as well, because Pluto can also be connected to like obsession and power and jealousy and greed and like, but it's learning how to take that higher road and find that healthy sense of empowerment and what that healthy sense of power is, mm -hmm. you know, rather than having power over other people, but how, having like that empowerment to influence people in a healthy way. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there's a little like brief overview of the beautiful planets that I work with. And then I also work with, you know, many other like asteroids, um, black moon Lilith. She's pretty amazing. I, if we have time, I can definitely talk about her. <laughs> yeah. We've got as much time as, as you need. I'd love to cool. hear about her. Yeah. I think, I'm, I might have a business meeting soon, but I, I'm, we can definitely talk a bit more because I would love to tell you about Black Moon Lilith <laughs> and then answer any questions you have. Yeah. <laughs> so I love Black Moon Lilith. Lilith is an archetype. She, is, she was the first wife to Adam before Eve. Mm -hmm. And she basically got banished from, I guess, the Garden of Eden or the kingdom because she did not want to have sex with him in a missionary position. She did not want to... Um, be a slave to him basically and you know Adam would always say I've come from dust and you've come from like dirt and soot you know like he really looked down upon her yeah. and Eve as a wife to Adam she really represents like the traditional like you know um, Paris you know like bow down to your husband do what they say conform right. Whereas Lilith was really like the liberated one and she was banished off and she went off and started having babies with like these demons, which actually is like a representation. Like they made the story about Lilith. They made her sound really bad in it. But the truth is that like, it was actually patriarchal society trying to scare women into like thinking that being liberated and being, um, you know, sexually empowered is a bad thing because the, you know, distorted masculine, you could say, is afraid of a woman's sexual power. And if you've yeah. ever seen a wild woman, like she is untamable. And the masculine on some level fears that. Not all men, but it's definitely been something that's been conditioned into our society. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Um, so yeah, but she was really villainized, Lilith. Um, and she was really like accused of being a certain way. And I think it's just so interesting how it reflects women in today's society um, because she was really insisting upon full equality, Lilith. And that's what she still influences us to do today. So she's in male and female charts. Um, and usually you'll find like, if a woman really starts to embody her Lilith, she will threaten women and men around her who have not integrated that part of themselves yet. Mm -hmm. um so in your chart Lilith shows me where you can like what your wild untamed feminine woman is and how she wants to be seen and played out in the world and what also about like your sexual desires like your deepest sexual desires and with Lilith we really go through like an initiation because um we're born you know so like free in our expression of her but then we're taught to feel 
um, ashamed of that part of ourselves because generally speaking, society will tell us to hide her away and reject her. Yeah. You know? Um, so then we have to, and then what happens is we begin to project onto other people. So, you know, we'll see other women who are sexually empowered and empower and, you know, maybe someone who has rejected that part of themselves will then start to see them as bad or something. And then, you know, so the final stage of Lilith is like the crone phase where you're fully integrating her and you're, it's that like full acceptance that everyone can be as they need to be. And I'm not going to like really stick to my truth no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Lilith helps us to believe that we're whole capable and beautiful in our original state, despite what the masculine or others may tell us. Mm. And to learn how to enjoy having our own ecstatic sexual nature without shame or guilt. Um, Yeah. And like respecting what feels fair and healthy to us on a sexual level. Mm. Um, And yeah, she helps us to understand ourselves outside of like the context we've been born into. So yeah, she's powerful. She represents like pure possibility without any restriction. (laughs) I love that yeah (laughs) Mm. so yeah i love love talking to women about her because like i'm just like i want to empower you (laughs) yeah it's like there is like when i just hear you speaking about that i just reflect on like how much like when every woman would like hear that there is something within her that like sparks up and is like oh okay like yeah that that is a possibility for me to step into that more like yeah and you kind of just reflect on where you're at within like that liberation in yourself and it's such a dance and journey and um yeah yeah Yeah. and it's really interesting as well because like when say Lilith in the story she experienced a lot of cultural distortion and you know she was seen as being a temptress and like a demonic woman and really this is actually representing when the vilified woman became associated with shame and taboo Mm -hmm. and it's when the female psych experienced the dark night of the soul like all these hundreds of years ago when we experienced sexual trauma and denigrated status and emotional repression and you know even difficulties with conception and birthing and madness and suicide and death like that's all encapsulated in repressing her you know, because yeah. it was such a distortion, like of how society views what the feminine is. Yeah. And we're finally, I think, yeah, we're just finally starting to come out of that. Yeah, I definitely mm. feel like there is like a liberation in process. And yeah, it's obviously still a slow process. But um, yeah, obviously, we can see and like reflect on in our own being and like, people around us now like there is that empowerment happening and a lot of I feel like just generally like from men and women like I don't know I've just been seeing a lot in the media recently like a lot of stuff is just like coming out of the woodwork like being uncovered like all of these deep dark things that happened that no one felt like they could speak about or like they're coming up and out and like to be actual um I don't know (laughs) To be heard, yeah, sure. I guess, like, for people to, like, be responsible for those things. And, like, yeah, I just, I guess I'm reflecting on a lot of, like, I guess, religious leaders or even, like, gurus and stuff that are 
like yeah done horrible things and I just have been hearing about so many of them recently um all coming up and out and um women and men feeling um like it is the time for them to share about those things and for those people to actually like yeah Yeah. (laughs) take responsibility for their actions and not like hide um behind their status Yeah, And it's so interesting that you say that because we're currently going through a transit, which is literally just what you said, where Pluto, Pluto is also connected to mystery and secrets is conjunct the south node of the moon in Capricorn. And this is basically like bringing up unconscious dynamics that have been swept beneath the surface. They're all being exposed now, you know, any secrets and darkness and mysteries. And this is even to do with like the government mm. um, shadows around like what we've conditioned to think tradition and authority is. Um, it's all being surfaced now and it's like a shadowy time because like a lot of deep dark shit is going to be coming up but it's really good you know it's freeing it's creating space it's freeing (laughs) Mm -hmm. making way for the new so yeah yeah exactly and we all have yeah and we love that trauma we all have those layers like whether they are really intense experiences or even just like little subconscious things that like lie there, but like they all need to, you know, come up. And I think it's, yeah, once we like hear those stories, like um, from other people or like even in the media or something, you can just like something sparks in you to be like, Oh wow. Okay. Why am, you know, Mm. where, where has that happened to me too? Or like, where can I like, yeah, liberate more of that. Yeah, but that's, yeah, yeah. Makes so much sense, like, um, yeah, from the astrological yeah. perspective, too, of why it's all coming up. Yeah, and the really cool thing about that with this with this axis of where the lunar nodes are right now in Capricorn is in South Node in Capricorn and North Node in Cancer, I feel like with Pluto bringing up all of this shit <laughs> that needs to be exposed and processed and purged, um, it's actually going to create space for us to find more balance between um, matriarchal and patriarchal rule and move back more into the feminine because that's what the North Node in Cancer is calling us to do collectively to move back more into nurturing and into like leading through the female way. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. actually really exciting. I think there could be some really amazing stuff happen and come from this and i and also with uranus moving into taurus again it's like that feminine that gaia um yeah i really hope the stars are really supporting some changes in the government and politics for women to really step in mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> amazing um yeah. i was yeah i was just reflecting like as you were speaking about um what I kind of like sense that like you do through your sessions which which you tapped into too is like just like really empowering people and I feel like in knowing more of your chart you can like really just have a lot more clarity and empowerment in like you know what's happening for you right now and like how you can work with that and make like intelligent and like wise informed choices about like you know how to move forward and do you feel like, yeah, how would you describe like what you, what your aim is through the sessions that you hold? Yeah, I love that, how you just said that. It's so, it's so spot on. It's really, you know, I always tell my clients, I'm like, I'm not a fortune teller, okay? 
I'm not a fortune teller. I want to realign you with your soul's blueprints. You know, I want to remind you of who you are. I want to give you permission to really be like, despite how society has told you how you should be. I want to give you permission to be how your soul has intended for you to be. Um, And yeah, really like open space. And like you said, empower people to make like conscious decisions. And I think it's so true. Like sometimes we can feel like we're going through this, you know, this shitty space and we're sort of like feeling a bit lost or confused. And by having that awareness of what's happening astrologically, it then allows you to have insight into like, oh, okay, this is, you know, the reason why this is happening. And this is the lesson that needs to be learned from it. You know, this is what is needing to be integrated from this period of time in my life. Mm-hmm. which is yeah super empowering <laughs> yeah yeah wow. and have you got some like you would have obviously <laughs> some some beautiful like feedback from clients already since you've been holding sessions or? yeah I've got on my website actually all my testimonials mm-hmm. under my about page um yeah I've I've been it's been really like really beautiful and really just um you know it continues to confirm why I'm doing what I'm doing yeah um and yeah one-on-one sessions are really powerful and I'm 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 constantly like like changing my relationship with with astrology and with my clients and how I offer my sessions um which is really beautiful it's like a in a constant state of transformation mm-hmm. um yeah <laughs> beautiful so do you want to, um, yeah, share a bit more about the sessions and, and how people can connect to you and then, yeah, share about some things that you've got coming up like through the year too? Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, so I offer, I, off, I always would like to start people off on the basic fundamental session, which is where we look at like your soul's blueprint and we look at like the foundation of who you are, um, sort of what I was speaking a bit about before. And then in this, and I'll always throw in a tiny bit of, um, you know, transits at the end, but then I offer another session, which is purely focused on um, transits, progressions and solar arcs. So this is all connected to like what is currently happening for you now. Um, Not just from like a perspective of how it could manifest in reality, but also from a perspective of um, where your soul is moving on an evolutionary level, because when we're looking at progressions, um which is sort of another way of forecasting it's more internal it's showing us like say you okay this i don't want to make it too confusing but say you have your natal chart and using special like mathematics for example we'll take the sun moves um one degree per year by progression so for example say you're born with a taurus sun depending on what degree it was in the time of your birth you might actually now have a sun in gemini Mm. and it this doesn't mean that it, your natal chart changes. You will always be a Taurus. But just from an evolutionary perspective, this could be saying that now your soul is ready to, you know how Taurus can be more, say, let's say a bit more slow paced and wants to take time to take things in. And, you know, it might take a bit longer to make decisions because you're concerned with, you know, stability and security. Mm-hmm. With the sun moving into Gemini, you might find yourself a bit more freed up now and a bit more you know, um, diverting your energy in many different directions rather than just honing in on one thing. 
So it's like a bit of a shift energetically. Um, so that's really interesting. So I go into that always in like the forecasting sessions and the second type of session I do. And then I also have another type of session I'm offering at the moment, which is a synastry reading, which is really cool as well. Um, where I'm basically taking your natal chart and I'll put it with your lover, your mother, your best friend, you know, someone else in your life and we'll put them on top of each other and we will see how your planets align with each other and we will look at basically how you've come to teach each other and what type of teacher you are for each other and what are your karmic entanglements with each other. So yeah, that's really interesting and, and pretty beautiful too. What do you, um, like, because I know there's all of that kind of, like, astro compatibility and that sort of thing, like, between, like, yeah, relationships. How do you see that? I guess, yeah, from your perspective, you're all about, like, um, exploring, like, both positive and negative and how you can, yeah. So, learn, yeah. I, what do you think about all of that? The synastry itself is amazing. Like, it's so spot on. However... These um, things that you find online, what they're lacking is they're lacking the poetry of a human being. So mm-hmm. even though they're interpreting, you know, certain like aspects in the charts and like, you know, um, they're not interpreting like the chart as a whole and they're not taking everything. So you might find that certain things are really like contrasting one another, you know, <laughs> and then you're like, what? But when a human being is doing the synastry for you, it's like we have this special poetry where we're able to take everything into account. And we also have that intuition that comes through as well that really ties everything together really beautifully. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, maybe I can um, share a bit about what I'm offering. I'm So apart from my private sessions, which I do online or in person, I'm also going to be um, heading over to Europe this summer. I'm holding a, I'm doing like a European tour for women and I'm going to be holding um, the workshops called Cosmic Love and I'm doing it in nine different locations. So I'm doing it in Amsterdam, Belgium, Poland, Oslo, London, Berlin, Switzerland, Sweden, and Barcelona. And um, basically it's a one day workshop for women It's got like six hours of amazing content and we're really going to be deep diving into the moon, into Black Moon Lilith, into Venus and Mars and really like um, also practical exercises, tantric exercises and embodiment practices to really help you like embody the energy of the planets. And we'll be looking a lot at like ritual and ceremonies. We'll tie up the day with a ceremony at the end. It's very much focused on self-love and how you can love yourself and understand yourself on a deeper level through the stars. Um, and we'll also be doing, yeah, like I said, a lot of rituals. So I'll be teaching you a lot of magic and how to manifest with the moon, depending on what sign element and phase the moon is in, what sort of rituals and magic you should be doing and intentions you should be making at that time to be really calling things into your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sounds epic. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> um, so how can people find you what's your yeah Yeah. i guess instagram and your website and everything too yeah so my website is flowersfordays.com and that's d-a-i-s flowersfordays.com 
Um, and I know it's like, you know, some people, they go, but that's not astrology related. And I was going to change it, but I was like, you know what? I just, you know, I'm an Aquarian moon. I want to be a bit different and just do my own thing. And I, my name is Daisy and I love flowers. And for me, it's also really about like, um, channeling the energy from the stars and grounding it into this reality. And the fact that like the stars on earth are like the stars, the flowers on earth are like the stars in the sky, you know, they reflect mm-hmm. each other. Um, so for me, it ties in nicely. So I was like, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. And then my Instagram handle where I put daily updates on what's happening and how that could be influencing you and collectively, um, is flowers for days underscore astrology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The website will have all my event info on there if you're interested in attending any of the workshops. Um, I'm also holding a workshop on the 30th of April here in Ubud in Bali. Um, yeah, so it's all up there. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, there's like so much we could cover. <laughs> I know, there's so much. Maybe we'll just do like a part yeah. two. <laughs> Well, we could even do like a part two on the moon and about like how we I can talk a little bit about like moon magic and I can take you through the moon phases and yeah, I can talk to you about get there, um, did we? yeah we should yeah and a bit you know about the new moon and the full moon and everything I don't know when you're posting this but tomorrow's the new moon in Aries mm. which is yeah I, I think I will edit it um yeah today hopefully oh yeah. beautiful yeah yeah i'll get it up new moon time yeah cool well if you want to do you want to give you a bit of the download on the new moon then sure go for it so it's happening um tomorrow i, I believe it's around like 5 p.m bali time which will also be the same in perth Mm-hmm. 4 50 p.m 15 degrees of aries and when the moon is new it basically means that um the sun and the moon are conjunct in the sky so it's like the sun is sort of like covering the moon so you can't really see it um so this new moon in aries is really about this is the first new moon of the astrological new year so even though all new moons are about planting seeds this one is like the most potent and powerful moon to be setting an intention you know this is like the astrological new year setting an intention (laughs) um the astrological new year begins when we enter into aries but yeah because this is a new moon this is an amazing time to be planting seeds um and this is really going to be a lot to do with like how can you fully initiate like where have you been holding yourself back where have you been playing it small also, where have you been overly dependent on others and need to individuate more and step out on your own? And where have you been lacking boundaries? Aries is very good at asserting. So where do you need to assert more and be more assertive in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, and this also something really beautiful to remember during this new moon is that when the moon is in Aries, it can be easy for us to um, impulsively make a, dis- you know, impulsively react or do something. And also um be hit with anger and frustration rather than like taking time as like a defensive mechanism rather than taking time to really dive into what is actually going on inside of me deep down on an emotional level so it's important during this new moon even though you're going to be feeling a lot of energy you're going to be feeling fired up you're going to be ready to initiate it's also important to take a moment to slow it down and to try not to act impulsively Um, and also just being aries is very good at not having a filter 
So take this as an opportunity to be really honest about your emotional state. And if you're feeling shitty, if you're not feeling good, um, really honor that in yourself rather than seeing it as a weakness or something bad. Um, be like, okay, I've been feeling shit lately. And like, I'm, I'm empowering myself by honoring that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and really being like, yeah, true with yourself in that way. So yeah, this is really exciting because the really beautiful thing about planting the seed now with the new moon in Aries is that it, this seed is going to be taken throughout the rest of the Zodiac cycle, the rest of the astrological cycle. And they all sort of like, you know, help sort of hold, it's like a whole process, right? Like I can talk about this in the next podcast, but it's like a whole um, journey through the Zodiac. It's ongoing, you know? Mm. Um, So like once we plant the new moon in Aries, Taurus, we move into the Taurus season, which comes along to really help us finish that off because Aries isn't very good at finishing things off. They're great at starting things. So Taurus comes along to really help Aries. Okay, let's put in the hard work. I'm going to finish this off for you. So energetically speaking, it's like, you know, then you can really hone in on that seed you planted. And then Gemini comes along to help us gain more information and do some product, you know, some research on it. And then Cancer comes along for us to emotionally invest in what this is. And, you know, and then Leo comes along to start sharing it with the world. And then Virgo comes along to fine tune the details and it keeps going on and on. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that insight. Like I very much resonate. And I also, cool. yeah, I feel like it is a bit of like a, a beginning time, like more so than the new year. Like I didn't really feel it that strongly then. It's more yeah. like now I'm starting to integrate into like a new cycle. And I've just like yeah. really committed um, over the last like, yeah, like a week ago or something to like really being in a strong like daily um, morning time meditation and like Kundalini practice and like really that. deciding that because I've been like not, <laughs> I've been kind of just like being inspired about it, but then like, you know, not really actually doing it. But now t- I feel like I've really gotten myself like over those past, the first few days where you're like, oh, now it's like, oh, wow, I'm like reaping the be- benefits and like getting in the flow and really enjoying like the practice and the inner silence. And yeah, so I feel like I'm definitely on a, yeah, that's just what I was reflecting on in my personal world. Like, oh, wow, cool. Like, I am starting a new like practice, a new cycle, like a new intention. And yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's really inspiring and spot on. Like this is a great new moon to really yeah be setting that like intention to like how can you like up your spiritual practice or like where have you been slacking, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really like committing to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh this has been so beautiful. I'm so happy that this has been such nice flow. I'm it's been beautiful. Thank you so much. I know, very potent. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. I, Cause I've been wanting to just learn more myself about it. And I was like, mm. Oh, I just really, yeah. And you were just the perfect person to, to speak to and dive into with. And I really would like to book in for a session with you actually. I remember yeah. feeling that as you were speaking, I was like, yeah, I feel like it would just be a really beautiful experience and just like bring a lot of clarity to kind of have that chart and that understanding more. And, and then to, yeah let it like guide me a bit more through the months yeah yeah oh beautiful yeah i'd love to whenever whenever you feel i'd love that 
Yeah. And I already have some ideas for what we could do in the next one. Yeah. But thanks so much for sharing. I just, I really love the way that you like articulate about these teachings and like you definitely obviously like walk your talk and it's just like your life's work. So it just flows like so naturally out of you. Yeah. It was really beautiful to like hear you speak more about it properly because we have a little bit in person, but yeah. Yeah, thank you um, yeah. so much. You tell it's like your really deep passion and you love it so much. And yeah, I'm grateful yeah. to have more. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and I'm so happy to connect with you as well. Thank you so much. Mm.